Today on Blue 58, I have one question for you. What are the Packers? And then after that, I have another question for you. What does your answer to the first question really mean? Blue 58! Hello and welcome to another episode of Blue 58, the one and only podcast of thepowersweep.com. I'm your host, John Meerdink. Very happy to be with you here for another episode. Packers have a new cornerback in town, Quentin Dunbar, signing to their practice squad. Kind of get the feeling he's going to be on the active roster sooner rather than later. Six foot two, 202-pound corner out of Florida in his seventh year. Dunbar, like uh, um, Sam Shields before him, was a wide receiver in college. He converted to cornerback after going undrafted in the NFL draft. Uh, his relative athletic score is seven seven eight as a wide receiver. If you change him over to corner, it becomes eight oh six because he's pretty big for a corner. Uh, he has played 64 games in his relatively up-and-down career, let's put it that way, and has never played a full season in six years to this point in the NFL, and he'll make it seven if he plays in any game with the Packers this year because, well, he wasn't here for week one. You get it. Uh, 2019 was Dunbar's best year, four interceptions, eight passes defensed in 11 games with Washington that year, and that connection to Washington is important because his defensive coordinator for a couple seasons there was one Joe Barry. Most of his career has been with Washington to date. Uh, he played 2020 with Seattle. Uh, had a bit of an interesting 2020. And I don't just mean the season, I mean the calendar year. This uh, copied over from Wikipedia as good a summary as anything I've seen of what went on for Dunbar in 2020. going to read you a short paragraph here. On May 14th, 2020, an arrest warrant was issued by Miramar Police Department alleging that Dunbar had committed armed robbery along New York, alongside New York Giants cornerback DeAndre Baker at a party the day before. On May 15th, his attorney claimed to be in possession of affidavits from witnesses that stated Dunbar was not involved in the robbery. The next morning, both Dunbar and Baker turned themselves into the police. The following day, it was announced that Dunbar had posted bail for $100,000. He pled guilty to charges. In August, all charges against Dunbar were dropped. It did end up affecting his 2020 season a little bit, uh, but uh, he did bounce back, had a partial season there in Seattle, and uh, earned an off-season deal this spring with the Detroit Lions, who cut him in August. Then he ended up on Arizona's practice squad for a bit, and now he is in Green Bay. Question, though, is what is he to the Packers? Right now, I would say more cornerback depth. I think there's got to be a little bit more to Kevin King's injury situation uh, than we're hearing about right now. Stop me if you've heard that one before. But uh, the Packers need some cornerbacks. With Jair Alexander out for who knows how long, Kevin King hurt, it gets to be pretty thin pretty fast. You're looking at Eric Stokes as your top guy beyond that. On the outside, Isaac Yadam, Chandon Sullivan in the slot, KB on Ento. You can see why they're kicking the tires on some corners. I think I like Dunbar a little bit better better than Rasul Douglas right now. He has the physical traits added to the production that Douglas doesn't have. Douglas is younger, but has never been as good as Dunbar has been. I think the edge goes to Dunbar right now. It's good that they've got both because that gives them options. I think Dunbar is probably the better player and ends up on the 53 uh, pretty quick here and contributing probably to the Packers as much as he can uh, in the in the relatively short term. Outside of the Dunbar news, there's not all that much going on for the Packers right now. So I want to talk about some big picture stuff. Way back in ancient history, as far as, well, I guess almost as far as the internet is concerned, uh, relative to Packers stuff, relative to the stuff I've done on it, 
Uh, I did a thing for um, PackerPerspective.com, or if you're one of the real original fans, PackerPerspective.wordpress.com, about team identities. And this is something I think about a lot. It's something we talk about in podcasts a lot about where teams are in their life cycles and things like that. This is related to that. What are the Packers right now? In that piece I was talking about at Packer Perspective, my original Packers project, I argued that an NFL season was like a five-act play or a four-act play if you don't make the playoffs. But the first act, the first four games of the season, you're really just getting to know the characters. You're getting to know who the key players are going to be, what the, the current season version of those players looks like, because people grow and change. Their skill sets change. They age. It takes some time to figure out who you are as a team. In the first quarter of the season or so, you're trying to figure out who that team is, who you are, what are you good at, what can you do well, what do you do not so well, what do you need to compensate for, you get it, you know, things like that, important questions, but questions that you need to take some time to answer, and it takes a while to figure that identity out. Usually, I argued, by about four games into the season, you had a pretty good idea of who your team is, who you had to rely on, you know, things along those lines. But I'm wondering if that's actually true. And the reason I'm wondering that is because of what we've seen for the Packers from the Packers through their first five games of the season. Now, if you throw out week one, just pretend that didn't happen. Let's call it a preseason game. That gets us to that, that four-game threshold, that first quarter of the season. So what are the Packers? Who are the Packers? What is this team? I thought we'd take a little bit of time to talk about what they are. It's a little bit of a philosophical question, sure, but it's an important one, I think. And I'm going to try to answer it here a couple different ways, and then we'll talk about what that means. So personally, just shooting from the hip here, what are the Packers? I think four things come to mind about the 2021 Packers as of right now. First, I think the the biggest thing about this team is that they're just a little inconsistent. You don't really know what you're going to get out of the Packers, even in some of their best performances, there have been some pretty serious up and down moments. And that's kind of been the hallmark of the Matt LaFleur era to this point. There's a reason that we've got that running sort of almost eye roll sort of thing about the uh, the third quarter nap, you know, the times that the Packers just seem to fall apart in the third quarter, at least on offense. But we've seen that in this this season a little bit too. Obviously, week one was bad. But week two against the Lions, it took them a while to get going. Uh, There was the third quarter slowdown against the 49ers where they were up double digits and allowed the 49ers to come all the way back and ultimately take the lead. There's some sloppy play in the second half against the Steelers, and we don't even really have to get into some down moments during the, the Bengals game. I think calling them a little bit inconsistent is completely fair because to this point, that's exactly what they've been. Inconsistent. I would also say that they are overly reliant on a few guys. Now look, it's working. Throwing the ball to Devontae Adams almost every play is working. It killed the Cincinnati Bengals. You don't think the Bengals didn't know he was getting the ball on that last drive or one of those last drives where they only had a few seconds left, 20-some seconds to go more or less the length of the field to get into field goal range. I mean, 
if any one defender on that team was surprised that Adams was getting the ball, they should probably be cut. But he did, and it worked for the Packers. Now Mason Crosby missed the field goal, but that was what they needed the offense to do, move the ball. And they did by throwing it to Devontae Adams. But sooner or later, you've got to have more offense than just throwing it to one guy. That is not a sustainable thing. You cannot just throw it to Devontae Adams a billion times in a year and expect things to work out for you. As good as Devontae Adams is, he is probably too much of the Packers' offense right now. And it's probably not making Aaron Rodgers any better either. Back when Jordy Nelson was aging, I made the case, actually the season after when he, when he was cut, um, the season after what turned out to be his last year in Green Bay, 2017, I argued that even if he still had something in the tank, it was probably a net win for the Packers to get rid of him just because it would force Aaron Rodgers to go to more guys, to get more people involved in the offense. And then 2018 happened, and Aaron Rodgers didn't really get much of anybody involved in the offense, but there were more issues going on there than just that. But sooner or later, you need somebody else to step up. Right now, the Packers don't have anybody who is even getting a chance to step up because Adams is just getting so much of the offense. It's not bad if it works, but sooner or later, it's just not going to work for a week. And what are you going to do then? I would also say the Packers are just pretty pretty beat up. This isn't a surprise to anybody, but they're a shell of themselves right now. Going into the season, we knew it was going to be a while without David Bakhtiari. But since then, Elton Jenkins has gotten hurt. Zadarius Smith's situation has turned out to be worse than we thought. Jair Alexander has gotten hurt. Josh Myers was out this past Sunday. Boy, it just hasn't been great. And I think you have to curve every grade you give the Packers in light of that. They are not the team they want to be right now for multiple reasons. They're not executing, as Matt LaFleur has talked about a few times, sure. But they're also just not playing with a full deck right now. They're a beat-up team. And fortunately, most of their injuries are such that they're going to improve. Josh Myers is going to be back here sooner or later. Same with Elton Jenkins. David Bakhtiari can come off the pup list next week. Jair Alexander doesn't sound like he's going to be out for the whole season, if you believe the more optimistic reports. Even Zadarius Smith could come back. Marquez Valdez-Scantling will be back. So they're going to get healthier, but right now they're still pretty beat up, and we've got to take that into consideration. Finally, the fourth thing I would say about the Packers is that they are dangerous in their unpredictability. I don't want to say like wounded animal, but say, I don't know, to use a, a sports analogy, like like a boxer who's towards the end of his career. It's a guy who's got who's proven all that he needs to prove, but he still wants to fight, and he doesn't have the physical gifts he had early in his career, so he's got to try to compensate in other ways. And one of the ways sometimes people like that compensate is by being just wildly unpredictable. Unpredictable Unpredictability can be dangerous, and I think that's an advantage the Packers have over teams right now. If you just rolled the 2020 Packers out there, teams might be able to solve them just because, well, you know what to expect from the 2020 Packers. But right now, the Packers are playing with such a limited stable of resources, a limited crew of players, that you really can't predict what they're going to do. Sure, they're going to get to Devontae Adams a lot, but what's their offense even going to look like? 
How are guys like Robert Tunyon going to factor into the offense? He really hasn't to this point, but he may on a given week. We're just not really sure. It's going to happen sooner or later, but how do you predict what his impact is going to be if you don't really know what he is in the offense right now? The Packers are unpredictable. That makes them dangerous. That makes them unstable, but it does make them dangerous. And I think that's a good thing for the Packers to be. Just looking at the raw numbers, kind of basing this off of what we look at in our preview podcast for other teams, the Packers are overachieving a little bit. That's something the Packers are. They are 2-0 and in one-score games. By expected win-loss, they're 2.5 and 2.5. And right at 500 if they're going just by point differential and things like that. By offensive DVOA, they're 10th. The run game is 15th, which is part of their unpredictability. They haven't gotten a big part of their offense going yet. By defensive DVOA, they're 20th overall. 17th against the path, 29th against the run. Just some hard numbers on who the Packers are right now, what they are right now. They're an offensive team that isn't firing on all cylinders, bolstered by a defense that's below average against the most important thing, the pass, and abysmal against the run. What about strengths and weaknesses? Another thing we talk about in previews. Strengths, I think you've got to talk about the skill positions. Sure, they don't get everybody involved, but they're deep at receiver. They're getting deeper as soon as Marquez Valdez-Scantling gets healthier. They've got Aaron Jones. They've got A.J. Dillon. They've got Kylan Hill. They've got Robert Tunyon. Mercedes Lewis can fill in in a pinch. Dominique Daphne will be back here sooner or later. They've got a diverse group of talented skill position players. Weaknesses, though... There are a few, too. The secondary, a big weakness right now. The defensive line, right up there, too. And you could throw a couple other positions out there, too, but I would just say there are question marks on top of that. Offensive line, big question mark right now. You never really know what you're going to get week in or week out, though it's been remarkably solid so far to this point. Tight end, too, is a kind of a question mark. The Packers have a lot of interesting players at tight end, but they really haven't figured out the rotation, it seems like. When does Robert Tunyon get the ball? Does he ever? What is Mercedes Lewis's role? Where does Josiah DeGuara fit into this offense? I don't know right now. And I don't think the Packers know either. They're still figuring it out. That's a look at what the Packers are. All of those things. Some soft analysis, inconsistency, unpredictability, things like that, some hard numbers, some real strengths and weaknesses. But how should we feel about that? How should we look at all that and and conclude we should feel about the Packers? Because that's the ultimate question here. Okay, they're four and one. What does that mean for the rest of the season? How should we feel about what we've seen from the Packers so far? I'll answer that question for you right after I give a shout out to a couple folks who support us on Patreon. Today, I want to shout out Philip Rathke, Black Rainbow, and Robert Lemons. Each of those individuals have been supporting us on Patreon for quite some time, and they benefit from some of the good stuff we do in terms of bonus content there as well. Each of them uh, has the opportunity to join our Discord server, which is a great place to hang out with other Packers fans, ask questions for the show, and just check in on what's going on with the Packers. Uh, You also get access to weekly content, uh, weekly bonus content via Patreon. At the very least, you're getting NFL picks and analysis every Friday. So it's a good time. I have a lot of fun doing stuff for folks on Patreon, and it's a great opportunity for you to support what we do here, keep the show going, and 
help us take it to new levels. So uh, appreciate everybody who supports us there. Head to patreon.com slash the power sweep if you'd like to be one of them in the future. So how should we feel about the Packers at four and one? I think you can feel good, bad, or not sure. Let's tease out each of those three perspectives. If you want to feel good about the Packers, I think you're perfectly fine doing so. And I think you've got some good reasons to feel good about the Packers too. First and foremost, they're four and one and have won four games in a row. No matter how they've gotten those wins, no matter who they've been against, I think you can still feel good about the Packers being four and one. There are no style points in the box score. Even if the Packers are winning ugly, they're winning. And if they finish up the regular season at 15 and one, guess what? They're probably going to be the number one seed in the NFC because, well, 15 and one or 16 and one, I guess I have to say, is a pretty darn good record. Hard to beat 16 and one. You could also say, after all this, that the Packers are still not at full strength. They're only going to be better. So if they're 4-1 and one already, just think how much better they'll be when they get everybody back. Think about it maybe a month, month and a half from now. Marquez Valdez-Scantling is back from his hamstring injury. David Bakhtiari has settled in at left tackle. Elton Jenkins is at left guard. Man, your offense is looking pretty good there. And maybe they get some good news on Jair Alexander. Maybe his shoulder injury isn't as bad as we think. He can come off injured reserve, play in a, in a shoulder harness, away you go. Maybe a couple other pieces start to step up there too. Hey, you never know. Things could get better. You could also say that there are guys that haven't even been fully integrated. We talked about MVS there a little bit. It was true even prior to his injury. The Packers really haven't gotten him on track yet. And Aaron Rodgers has talked about how that's kind of his fault. Aaron Jones kind of falls into the same category some of the time. The Packers seem to have a hard time getting him going in weeks one and two. And we've talked about Robert Tunyon a couple times here. He really hasn't found his stride this year yet either, but I believe that he will. And I believe when he does, it'll just make that Packers offense all the more dangerous. But if you're inclined to not feel so good about the Packers being four and one, I think you've got some real complaints there too. Like I said up top, you might be... uh, might be concerned about how heavily they're leaning on Devontae Adams. You might be concerned about that, about what it means for their offense as a whole, or that it might mean their offense as a whole just isn't all that great. That's a legitimate take you can have, I think. You might also not be sold on their defense. Now, I think the defense has played reasonably well since week one, but it's still not a perfect unit. They still have struggled in a lot of ways, and they're still pretty much held back by their talent level. Even when Jair Alexander comes back, it's still going to be a pretty flawed unit. And if you're inclined to say that they've, uh, you know, just beat up on some bad quarterbacks, you might have a case there. But what if you're just not sure? And I think if I had to self-describe here, I think between good, bad, and, well, not sure, I think this is where I would be. I'm not really sure what to make of the Packers so far. It's been fun to watch the team. We've seen some things we've never seen before. The entirety of the last podcast we did for you here was all about how, what in the world was that? What was going on in Cincinnati? Who knows? We'll never know. But if you're like me and you just want to see some more, I think you've got some legitimate arguments there too. I think if just at the most basic level, you want to say this team is just too hurt right now to have a take about what they really are in 2021, I think that's completely legitimate. If you just want to say, I, I, don't, I don't know, 
Are they any good at all? Are they just winning in spite of having half their good players, more than half their good players, be on the shelf? That's fair, I think. Maybe spinning it a little more negatively, you want to say, well, who have they really played? They beat up on geriatric Ben Roethlisberger. They beat up on Jared Goff. They beat a team in the 49ers who have stuck to Jimmy Garoppolo for far too long. And then they beat a beat up on Joe Burrow and the Cincinnati Bengals, who, well, Burrow hasn't even played an entire full season's worth of games in his career yet. How exciting is that, really? How good can you feel about that, really? Well, if, you, if it leaves you feeling a little bit unsure, I think that's completely fair. So I guess we're in wait-and-see mode. The Packers have a lot to prove to us and to themselves. And the great thing about football, every week you get a little bit closer to that answer. Sometimes you never really get an answer at all. You get to the end of the season and you just say, what was that? I mean, we're not in the playoffs, so I guess we're not very good. But why? What happened? It just never really came together. Second time today, we can reference the 2018 team. That's kind of what they were. It wasn't that they were untalented, though they did have some problems there. But it just never came together. And we later learned there were some pretty serious internal issues there. Mike McCarthy got shown the door before the end of the season. But uh, it just never, never worked out for 2018. I get the sense that 2021 is going to be a lot better than that year. Obviously, it is already. But there's sometimes you just don't know, and you just never really hit your stride. Maybe that's a possible ending for the 2021 Packers. We get to the end of the season, and we say, they just never really came together for them this year. If they don't get healthy, that's probably what we're going to end up seeing. But I have high hopes for their health for the rest of the season and for what it could mean when they end up doing whatever it is they do um, at the end of this year. It's not going to be boring, no matter what it is. That's all I've got for you on this episode. I appreciate you tuning in. If you enjoyed this episode and you think there's someone out there who would enjoy it as well, it'd mean a lot to me if you would go ahead and share it wherever is most convenient for you. That helps more people find the show and gets more people involved in the conversation you, me, and everybody else is having about the Green Bay Packers. And getting more people involved helps everybody, me included, become smarter Packers fans. And as I always say, smarter Packers fans are better Packers fans, and better Packers fans are what we all want to be. I'm your host, John Meerdink. We will see you next time on Blue 58.